la la All about me, 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 me. <laughs> Shut up. <clears throat> That's totally going to be the intro, by the way. <laughs> okay, one, two, three. Hello, and a very warm welcome back to Widowed AF. You're here with Rosie and... John. Gil Moss. I changed it up there. Did you like that? Yeah, that, uh, but all that went through my head was um, the Rosie and John cartoon from Kids series. Rosie and Jim, thank Rosie you. Rosie and it's, Jim. It's embedded into my um, Rosie and traumatic, John, it's one of my deep traumas, is having that sung at me repeatedly. <laughs> straight on a tangent. If, if welcome to the show, yes, everybody. Welcome to the show, straight off on some retro kids TV. If you are too young to get the reference, ask your mum or your dad or maybe you don't have one. Though this is going too dark. Right. Okay. Anyway, right. Welcome back to <laughs> We are recording at 10.20 on Friday morning and we're hoping to get this episode out to you by around midday. So um, it will be loosely edited, which brings our own unique style. So we're going to be talking today a little bit about Scott's episode, which went out on Monday. Scott is a really, really nice guy. I really liked him. We stayed in touch and he brought another voice to the podcast. Every single story is different. Now, Scott's partner, Dan, he died suddenly. And it's there's a lot of issues surrounding religion and sexuality and the importance of being loved and supported by your parents. But yet, he was supported by Dan's parents, but they never acknowledged him them as a couple. It, it's, it, it adds so many layers of complexity to your grief. And so, yeah, I, there will be people who listen to that and, and could relate to it. Well, uh, I think we actually got a few messages through from people that did relate to it. Um, and thanked Scott for telling his story, which is, um, you know, <laughs> is ever remarkable. Yeah, it's it was a really, I, I think I said it twice in the episode, which made me cringe when I listened back, but... It isn't just a story about death. It's a story about love because those two were very clearly very in love. And, um, oh gosh, one of the things I found really actually, it's just really sad in this episode was um, Scott found out that Dan was likely to propose to him. He was planning to propose. And I thought, oh, and we talked about these kind of secondary losses because he also told us how he lost his home. You know, there were no longer two incomes coming in. And I think it's really important that the wider community knows how these secondary and further losses impact us as widows, because it is not just, just in inverted commas, the loss of your romantic partner. It is, you know, your co-parent, your confidant, your best friend. Your future. Your, your future. Your, you know, and, and he talks quite openly about, you know, the need for sexual connection in grief, um, which is a topic that does come up, huh. and, and I, I refer you to the phrase widow's fire. Which just reminded me, we were listening back to this in the car um, the other day, just to give us a refresh before we did the wash-up. Mm-hmm. And I just went to it and says, widow's fire. That's fucked up, wasn't it? it just, yeah, it's just, it's it's not what you need, is it really? No. No. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a very peculiar thing. And... Um, but I like it that people are coming on here and talking about it because we are taking the shame away. We're shining this bright, shiny light on it and going, it's okay, it's normal. Just be safe and be careful. Mm. Um, and actually, one of the other uh, sort of um, recurring themes that we're getting is um, men and work stress and how yeah. that impacts their health. Um, mm. Often it's their mental health. Uh, and... 
Scott talks that I mean he he used the word bullying that there was bullying going on at work. He was a Dan was a paediatric nurse. He sounds like he was just one of the life's really nice human beings, real empath. Um, and he'd been quite anxious uh, in the last year of his life, treated for blood pressure and and um, and stress and anxiety. And of course, in the naivety pre widowhood, you think young, fit, adult. Okay, well, that's quite a normal condition to have we'll treat it we'll carry on what you don't expect is to come home from work one day and find your partner of 14 years dead exactly where you left them that morning i mean you can't even comprehend it can you no not at all so as i've said yeah then yes he did He, he found him um where he left him and i mean i as always i would i would recommend you listen back because even listening back to it myself, I felt very moved. So I, and obviously I've heard the story already. And he talks a little bit like, you know, that feeling of almost like a criminal when the police have to come into your house. Yeah. And, um, and there was a lovely moment where he says his mum, his mum says, oh no, he wouldn't have done anything. They loved each other or something to that effect. And I thought, oh, go on mum. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird because it brings back the memory of, um, and, and any, any of the other hospice widows um, that listen to the podcast will understand this is, when they give you the death certificate to take down and register, they give it to you. And like, you've just lost your life partner. You don't really know who the fuck you are or what you're doing. You've just probably just seen them next door. And they go, right, take this envelope. Do not open it or you will end up probably in jail. Oh, wow. I didn't know um, that. And you, it's, it's literally you've got to take it and then give it to the council and they give you a death certificate. And it cannot be tampered with at all. And you start sat there thinking... Well, I don't want this fucking responsibility. responsibility, (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's just another one of those stupid jobs. It's like a isn't it? Yeah, I can't um, open this envelope. That's sort of swinging at you when you all you want to do is curl in a ball and cry. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, one of the things that it's very tempting to do is lie in a ball and cry or get horribly, horribly drunk. And, And I'm not saying that you can't do those things, but too much of those things will will lead to your life falling apart unfortunately and scott talked about his cat and just the importance of having the cat ruby to get up for and i can i mean i obviously shouldn't compare the kids to the cat but you have to get up because you have a duty of care to them and people often get the same or a similar effect with a pet i know people who got dogs in lockdown when they were widowed because they were on their own and and the dogs brought them enormous comfort and and friendship, I suppose, which, I mean, Lucy dog, my dog, our dog now, has has um, has walked some miles and had some tears soaked <laughs> into her fur over the years. And she's been my my sort of com- constant companion. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we don't talk about her dying. No. Ever. So Dan is in the same club as us in more than one way because... He has remarried. He's, right. and actually, he's married, actually. Yeah, and actually, the way he um, fell into his relationship is much the way that we fell into our relationship. It is, yes. Um, you know, they just met for friends and then developed feelings, and there's nothing you can do about it. No, and that's it. They, it, He was very much looking for, you know, a good time, not a long time. And the feelings, if they're there, and if you recognise them for what they are, which are real, you'd be a bloody idiot to turn them down. And... We talk quite a lot about this because it's one of the questions we are asked most frequently, really, isn't it? Is how mm. we manage to, I suppose people think you've moved on. And I apologise if I'm repetitive because we do talk about this a lot, but it is, it is a recurring theme. And it is not that you've moved on, it's that your heart has expanded and you are capable of loving another person. 
it doesn't diminish the love. And these things, as we know, like the the um, the five stages of grief. Yeah, it is not linear. Linear. It, it just happens when it happens, and like like this past well, this past bloody month. Yeah, um, November's quite grim, isn't it? Because it's Sarah's real decline, and and it's also the change of the seasons and. Everybody seems to be feeling a bit shitty at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's been hard going on you. And, and it's that five-year point, actually. I think it is a tricky point. Mm. I think it's such a significant amount of time. And for both you and I, we had a child that lost a parent at five. So to get to the five-year point, you're then thinking, oh, okay, well, they've been gone longer than they, they were with them kind yeah. of thing. Um, which is something I experienced obviously very quickly with tabs, then five years with heck. And I have a couple, well, I have a year and a bit's grace before I go through it with Monty. But yeah, it, and even Monty said the other day, he said, I've just realized in a, in a couple of years, like I will have been without my dad longer than I had him. Mm. And so it does show that it still flutters about in their minds, even yeah. if they don't show it. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to, it has to. Mm. And then it, also he's becoming a teenager is when you become aware of time, when you become a death, when you become like, this ends at some point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, the one thing that doesn't come, doesn't stop or come back is time. It just yeah. keeps marching forward. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? And and it's like, I feel really British because I'm, I'm actually going to mention the weather because I'm looking out the window at the annex and it's snowing. That's cool, isn't it? Mm. As long as we don't have to pick the kids I up early. I have got four kids in school. <laughs> as long as we don't across, have to get the kids. Across the county. <laughs> You'll be like, um, Herbie goes bananas. You'll just see us skidding around Kent. No, you won't be dry very sensibly. Um, but yes, yeah, sorry, I, 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 I digress. Um, now, he talked about the support of parents, which again is a recurring theme. And we have probably more people who have been supported by their parents and haven't. But I kind of wanted to ask John if you would speak a little bit about that kind of isolation of when your mum in particular, mm -hmm. when they don't show up. Because we don't want to sort of, you know, create um, animosity in any way. But I'm going to kick this off by saying that John's mum didn't go to Sarah's funeral. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, weirdly, so I've been through this in therapy this week, actually. It's like you're getting the chronicles of He's my therapy. He's a modern man that goes um, to therapy. And one of the things I was talking about is the stories I'm hearing you tell, uh, not you guys tell, not, not Rosie tell, you can tell who I'm pointing at. So video. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Professional. Um, and I said, like, you know, it's always their parents showed up. Uh, you know, they're caught, they're, they're the safety net somewhere. And I'm, I'm sort of looking at my life and I'm going, no, I don't fucking have that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I was the support network. I was top of the tree and, uh, my therapist basically just said, there's probably more out there, but they need someone to share a story with. So here I am. I'm going to bear all. I'm, well, I'm not going to bear all because we don't have that much, <laughs> we don't have that amount of time. Well, I um, you meant you were going to switch the camera on. <laughs> and I've been, in, I've been in therapy for on and off for quite some time because of this very subject. So I, um, Sarah fell ill in, um, like 2018. Um, she died in November and when I first called my mum to tell her that it was cancer, she didn't answer the phone. And I think I said this to you the other day, like when Holly was born, it was a cesarean section appointment and she didn't answer the phone and yeah. she didn't show up. She didn't come down for Sarah's funeral because she said she was too ill. Now bear in mind everybody, I'm not going to bolt to too much, but my brother drove down. 
and drove past her house. He could have picked her up, where the car drove her down. It was no problem. And um, I just think you would crawl over hot coals to be with your child while they were going through the most painful moments of their life. Um, and then fast forward to COVID when I nearly popped off the mortal coil. Um, and yet she hasn't still been to see me, but she blames her own health, her own accidents and uh, and everything else. So I've actually been going back to therapy this time to deal with, I don't want to say it because you'll know I watch TikTok, but the parent wound. Um, and to be quite honest, it's quite obvious that I do have it. Um, yeah. I don't often speak like this in public. And I certainly don't put this on social medias. Uh, social medias. Oh, How right, old am I? <laughs> the uh, On that Facebooks. So I am I'm, I'm working through with my therapist to basically grieve my mum because she, uh, much as I've tried to help her over the over the well, my entire life, to which I can attest, um, she's still stuck in the same ruminating thought, uh, the, the same rumination of what she, she's always doing. There, she did have an accident. She was put on opioid medications by the. Um, NHS and I do think that has quite a lot to do with her demise as well as a lot of trauma that she had in her past which is why I wanted her to go to therapy but she refuses so I've had to part way and part ways I've had to shut the door so to speak. You've had to protect yourself you put boundaries in. Yeah um, and now I've gone back to therapy just to help me through this particular process so you know if any of you guys um, are in a similar situation like you're not alone No. Um, and um, I'm quite well versed in this now, so if you yeah do you know, reach drop me out, a, just drop me a message, reach out, and and if it's because it is such a a primal pain to be or to feel rejected by somebody that's meant to be the one that's meant to love you unconditionally, and I think almost <clears throat> excuse me, we possibly even feel it more profoundly because we just think how much the parent that our children has lost would give to have have time with them mm. to have a presence in their life and um there will be people out you out there that can relate to john's experience of just not having a support network or not you know and not having somebody run to you and wrap their arms around you and tell you that you are going to be okay i very much take on that role now and the fact that you are a modern man and that you will go to therapy and you say that you don't talk very much sort of ordinarily about your feelings but this space this microphone does magic and we end up sharing, you know, our real real feelings and real thoughts. And perhaps that's where you do it. Perhaps sometimes it's almost speaking to nothing because you're talking to a microphone enables mm. you to put your, your real feelings out into the world. Yeah. And it certainly worked for our guests. Well, it was only this week that I texted a friend. And it's the first time I've actually said to someone outside my inner circle, I've been quiet because I've been having some mental health issues. And I've been dealing with stuff. Yeah, and that's um, really brave, isn't it? And, it? and it wasn't met with ridicule, like I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are actually quite cool and quite supportive if you just tell them. And actually hearing, I obviously live with you, um, and I've witnessed firsthand this kind of battle that you've had to try and get your mum to take hold of the rope that you're throwing her. And it's an expression that I've used before, is if people can give you the rope or throw down the rope ladder, whatever that may be, but you kind of have to climb up because there isn't, you, they can't do that bit for you. Mm. Um, and it really applies to so much of mental health and widowhood and and grief in all its its forms and, and men, mental health. And it's, yeah, I, I guess it's very frustrating and very painful to watch somebody that you love not take the steps that would make their lives better. Mm. And it's, it, it is further amplified that I had to helplessly watch Sarah 
demise and die. And there was fucking nothing I could do. Yet this woman's sitting here and there is a path. But she has to walk it. She, but she's got to get up and do it. And she just, yeah. and she won't. And I now have to, and this is why I'm doing therapy, because it's quite a hard thing to do. To basically say, I can't do this anymore. I cannot help you, even though I can see you're living in, it's suffering and you're not in a nice place. I've tried but now I have to stop and I have to protect myself. Yeah. And, and rather ironically, when you listen to some of the um, suicide stories, it gets very close to that point in quite a few of the interviews. You know, what where, with the person left behind where they have to kind where of put the, a barrier Where up. the ones who's adjacent is like, uh, you know, they had to move out. Yes. Because it was starting to damage me. And yes. it comes back to this, you've got to put your own mask on first. You got If you're okay, you can support other people. If you're not okay, then that's what you need to do. Look after yourself first. Yeah. And it's not selfish. And it is a re- it is a brave thing to go back in and, and, and deal with, you know, trauma from your childhood and this this mother wound, this it it is very difficult. And um I'm I'm very fortunate. I have very loving, supportive parents. So the idea that parents wouldn't be is kind of really abnormal and, and peculiar to me. But I will but- just say that what you have done is is, is you are an incredibly loving father to all the children and a very loving husband. So it hasn't passed down. But that was that with you. Yeah, that was a the conscious cho- uh, con- conscious conscious choice. I can't speak. <laughs> I'm speaking way too much there. Apparently, <laughs> um, it was a conscious choice to be the firewall. Yeah, to say the way I was raised is not how I want to be raised. It's not what I want. Yeah. Um, and then when we were lucky enough to get Holly, then that changed. And now I'm lucky enough to have four. Like, <laughs> how cool is that? You sure the word's lucky? <laughs> uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, they're all the most like, you know, um, I'm sure Monty won't mind me mentioning, you know, Monty texting me. Oh, yeah, that was um, so sweet. Saying I can talk about, uh, like, you know, my uh, feelings for Sarah and the suffering and, and the five-year he mark. He didn't he? he was, we were all in the room and his brother was um, Hector FMing. And he just texted you and asked if you were okay and told you. Yeah, I just said, is, is there any time? And, you know, I, I don't have to hide, like, my feelings for Sarah mm. when I'm around him, which I thought... You know, oh, he's a he, very sweet boy. He's, he's a very, if you've very... got a teenage daughter, I would get in line now. He's a, he's a very <laughs> eligible candidate for a... <laughs> On that, well, actually, we're going... Um, I mean, him are going ice skating tomorrow. Um, it's... It's funny when they go to secondary because you don't really know the parents and I don't know the kids in his class and he joined in year eight. So it's all a bit discombobulated. Mm-hmm. So one of the mums has arranged for a few of us to go, which I think the whole class is invited to go ice skating. Now, I haven't ice skated since I got my grade one at age five, but I do have my grade one. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Oh, no, I must have gone as a teenager. I must have done. But yes, so I'm really hoping to uh, be able to report no injuries sustained. <laughs> I just know I'm going to break an ankle. I know no, it. <laughs> no, you won't. good ankle spot on that. I'm going to ask for one of those penguins that the kids have. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I will ask because I'm going to take a photo. Um, so yes, it's... As they get older, they, they start to become different, don't they? Mm. And they... they you, I mean, Monty and I are going away for a couple of nights later this month. I'll, I'll fill you in on that next week. Um... But for now, after we've just sort of turned up in your ears and delved into our souls, had a bit of a giggle, and then we'll leave you to your Friday. Mm. We, were, we went quite hard for 20 minutes. Absolutely. I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs>
on that note we're going to love you and leave you we'll be back with you on monday lots and lots of love oh and sequin season has arrived have a good weekend everybody goodbye 